Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. All right, I'll let you have it. Good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? Come on. It's good to be back with my uh, Freedom Life family, and uh, uh, my wife is here with me today. Would you make her feel welcome? This is my wife, Julie, right? Um, we were... We were with you. I was, I was, I was looking back over my calendar. We were with you on Labor Day weekend uh, in uh, 2020, in fall 2020. And uh, some of you might not remember that, but we remember that because it was just about two weeks after our very first granddaughter came to join the family, right? And uh, so we were rookie grandparents back then. We're still rookie grandparents signing up for any mentoring lessons from those of you that are more seasoned and experienced in the, uh, in the skill of grandparenting. And, uh, but my, my wife is uh, with me again because the antique shops in Gettysburg are much better than they are in Pittsburgh. And uh, so, and, you know, and antique shopping has changed now because now we just look for antique toys for the granddaughter. That's what we do, right? <laughs> but uh, we're from Pittsburgh and uh, glad to be with you. And uh, we've just had a, a wonderful long-term relationship with uh, Freedom Valley and with Pastor Candice and Aaron. And uh, so glad to be with you. My wife and I lead a ministry uh, called Lead the Generation. Uh, I travel and speak on most weekends and most of the summer I'm at different camps. And so this summer has been busy. We've done youth camps in Alabama, in California, uh, in Uganda. I mean, we've literally been all over the place. It's been amazing. Um, and, uh, but your church, uh, you as a church, have been supporting our ministry, Lead the Generation, for many years now, uh, and then even helping us with our upcoming conference. If you are a next-gen leader and you, and you are uh, working or volunteering in kids' ministry or student ministry, uh, you might want to consider being a part of the Lead the Generation conference, which is happening next month in August. It's going to be in person in Pittsburgh at Allison Park Church, which is our home church, uh, August 17th, 18th, and 19th. And then it will also be online, a full online experience. And, and here's the best part, because churches like you have faithfully sown in our ministry for many years, we're able to offer this conference for the first time this year absolutely free. And uh, so we're excited to be able to do that. Last year, uh, the online portion of the conference reached uh, into 29 different countries. And uh, so this year we're believing that maybe 50 countries will be able to reach with resourcing and equipping for next-gen leaders. That sounds good. That sounds exciting, right? Come on. That's good. So um, thank you. Thank you, Pastor Candace, Aaron. Thank you, Freedom Valley Church, for being a part of that and for sowing into our ministry. Do me a favor real quick. Before we jump into the Word, look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. you got to talk to him. Say neighbor. Okay, hang on a second. You, you have to actually act like you like this person. Just, even if you don't, just act like it just for a minute. It'll feel better. Just look at him. Say neighbor. It's an honor to sit next to you. See? Isn't that great? That's great. All right, now, now look at your other neighbor. We've got to share the love. Look at your other neighbor, the one that you just completely ignored, the one who's slightly offended with you right now. Look at your other neighbor. Say, other neighbor. It's an honor for you to sit next to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the best neighbor you've ever had. I'm your dream neighbor. You just neighbored up, right? That's what you did, sitting next to you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was, um, how many of you, how many of you would just willingly admit that you're the type of person who, 
easily loses their focus, right? You just, you just, okay, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of us here in the room. And, I mean, and it's not any easier in, in our society today because we've got all these devices and all of these things that I guess apparently are supposed to help us keep focus, but probably, probably make us lose focus even more, right? Um, if you uh, are a parent of a teenager or have ever been a parent of a teenager, uh, you probably then know the pain of helping one of your children keep focus, right? Like, would you just pay attention? Like, this is important. Like, I'm just trying to just dial in here. So I had a moment like this long before I was a parent. It was actually, um, it was actually the, the, the afternoon that Julie and I got engaged, right? Are you ready for this story? Ready for the story? Okay, so so we had just graduated college a couple weeks prior, and uh, uh, she, I was getting ready to go on a summer tour um, with some friends. We were doing some min- a ministry tour. My wife had signed up to go teach English overseas for a year, right? And so I had just graduated from college, and my dad uh, says to me one, one afternoon, he says to me, um, is, is she the one for you, son? Is she the one? And I'm like, yes, dad, she's the one. She's the one, you know? And he, he says to me, well, let me give you a word of advice, son. He's like, you better put a ring on that girl's finger before she goes overseas or she might never come home, right? This is my dad trying to coach me up. Like, she's gonna lose her focus. She's gonna forget about you, right? And, and, I'm, I'm, and I said, I'm like, dad, that's, that sounds great. I think that's wise advice. Uh, but I just graduated from college, um, meaning I have no money at all. <laughs> And that best dad ever right now, he says, okay, come on, son, you can use my credit card. Let's go to the store and buy a ring. And I'm, I'm like, talk about focus. I'm focused now, right? And so, I mean, this is happening, you know? And so I'm at the store. I am focused. We are buying a ring. Here we go. Uh, I know that Julie's coming into town the next week. And so I've, I've got a week to kind of put together this, this thing. I'm like, well, how are we going to do this and everything? And, and um, so I had decided that I would take the ring and I would wrap it up in some tissue paper and then I was going to hide it inside this little antique doll that I had gotten on a missions trip and then I was going to give her this doll and, and, and in my mind, this is how it was going to play out, right? Have you ever had this? Like, like you, you have a vision for exactly what's going to happen, right? And so in my mind, the way this was going to work was I was going to give her this doll. She was going to open it up, and as she was pulling the tissue paper away and outside of this little antique doll, the tissue paper would just naturally unravel and open, and there would be this ring. Doesn't that sound amazing? You're nodding your head, right? This is, like, there it is, and she was going to be like, oh my goodness, and she was going to cry, and we were going to get engaged, and this was going to be amazing. This was my vision, right? I am focused on this. This is not how the story played out on this, it just, it's just not. And so I, I you know, we're, we're sitting there and we're on this little porch swing and I give her this doll she, and, I, and she, she opens it up. And as she opens it up, she does what, which now I realize is what most of us do. But this isn't what I saw happening. She takes all the tissue paper and she just throws it off to the side. I'm like, oh my God, you know, like I'm, she's, she's looking at this little antique doll. I'm panicked. I am, she's focused on all of the wrong things, right? This is what I'm thinking at least, right? She thinks she's focused on the real thing. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm focused on the tissue paper. I'm like trying to carefully pick up the tissue paper and, and she's, and she's like, what are you doing? Leave it alone. It's trash. And, and I'm, I'm like, no, I'm thinking it's not. It's not, you don't know. You don't understand. And, and so, um, and I, so I start unraveling the tissue paper for her. And she's like, oh no, don't even unravel that. I'm just going to put it right back in the doll. And I'm thinking this woman is working against every, I mean, she doesn't even know. 
she doesn't understand. And, I, and so I'm like, no, no, it's okay. I think it was actually unraveled. She's like, no, it wasn't. It was just a little ball. She's like, here, just give it to me. I'll just crumble it up and I'll just put it back in. And I'm, now I'm frantically trying to get <laughs> the paper unwrapped in time, right? This is what I'm doing. And, 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 and there it is. It finally comes out and there's, there's the ring. And now I'm just kind of like, <clears throat> <clears throat> like, you know, I'm trying to get her attention. And so she sees it. And the first words out of her mouth, she's like, what's that? What is that? Is that fake? That's not real. That's not real. That's not real. That's not real. That, I mean, she just kept saying it over and over and over again. Then she started hitting me. That's not real. That's not real. That's not. <laughs> this, is, this, is how, this is how 25 years of marriage started, right? Because we just celebrated 25 years, right? <laughs> and we've been, we've, been, we've been helping one another focus on the right things for 25 years now, right? Have you ever been, you know, like you, you, have you ever been there in life? Uh, you find yourself in a season or in a moment in life where you're focused on what you think is the thing you should be focused on and there's someone else trying to help you maybe like, 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 like open your eyes here a little bit and see the bigger picture or see you know, what's happening here, see what's going on here. You're focused on all the wrong things. Um, that's what's happening. And if you want to grab your Bibles, we're going to study a couple verses together in the book of Judges. It's Judges chapter six. But, but in a sense, that's what's happening with, with a man named Gideon. Everyone say Gideon. Gideon's focused on all the wrong stuff. Right, I mean, he's just—he's—he's he's focused on on everything that he really shouldn't be focused on. He's not seeing the big picture. He's not seeing what what God is doing in the nation of Israel at this moment in history. We'll unpack that here in just a moment. He's focused on all the wrong things, and so in this text, uh, Judges chapter six, God sends an angel. Now, listen, friend, you know that you are focused on the wrong stuff when God has to send an angel. I'm just saying, like, if God has to send an angel to get your attention, like, we, we, there's some problems here. Like, there's, there's some trouble here. Let me read the text to you, and then we're, gonna, we're just going to dive in, and we're going to learn some things about how we fight for our focus. We're going to learn some things about how freedom isn't free, and, and the discipline of focus allows us to have a level of freedom in any and every season of our life, right? Let, let's read the text and then we'll, we'll break it down. We'll give some context to it and, and some understanding to it. So Judges chapter six, and we're gonna start reading in verse number 12 and read through verse 16. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, where his son Gideon, everyone say Gideon. Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Let's pause there. Let me give you some context real quick. The, the people of Israel had been under siege for many years by a neighboring uh, country, the country of the Midian, and, and they were called the people of Midianites, right? And the Midianites uh, had been attacking the people of Israel. And the Midianites uh, had a very unique strategy for how they would try to attack and conquer a neighboring country. Um, you know, the, the, the traditional way that one country conquers another country is just by force. We roll in, we take over, and uh, we, we, if, if need be, we wipe out the people in that country, and then we, we take over. The Midianites had a far, uh, a far more evil or cruel way of taking over a country. The Midianites would wait, and they would strategically send their raiders in during harvest season. And when the raiders would come in during harvest season, they would steal all your food. Right? This would be like the equivalent of like every time you went to the grocery store, by the time you got home, someone had stolen all the food out of your vehicle. Right? Um, this was the Midianite strategy. So rather than a strategy of extermination, let's get rid of everybody, it was a strategy of starvation. Let's starve you to death. So this is cruel. This is evil. And, 
and Gideon and the people of Israel have been dealing with this and these kinds of attacks for many, many years now. In fact, the text says earlier in, in Judges chapter 6, if you, if you read there later, you, it, it'll say that the people of Israel had been praying for a Savior for seven years now. And then if you zoom out a little bit further in the book of Judges, you'll see that it had been almost 70 years, somewhere between 70 and 100 years, uh, since the last time the people of Israel had had a godly leader in their nation. So we're talking generation after generation after generation of people living in some form of bondage, people living without freedom, people living without discipline, people living without focus, the people of Israel just, just wayward, just, just can't even see one way from another, focused on all the wrong things. And then when you find Gideon here in this text, it says what? In, in the end of verse 11, it says that he was threshing wheat in a wine press. Why? To keep it from the Midianites. So Gideon knows if I'm going to be able to keep the harvest that I have worked for, if I'm going to be able to keep the fruit of my own labor, then I got to hide it. And so that's what he's focused on. He's focused on one thing and one thing only. I got to hide this. And so he is in a wine press, which that doesn't make a lot of sense to, to you and I. Uh, even threshing wheat, we don't really live in this kind of culture anymore. But typically when you would thresh wheat, especially in this moment of history, you'd get up high on a mountaintop and you would thresh wheat where there was a breeze that was coming around. And as you would thresh the wheat, you would take a bundle of wheat and you'd bang the kernels on a rock. And, and as the kernels would fall off of the wheat stems, the chaff from the wheat would blow away in the wind and then you would just be left with a, a pile of just the kernels of wheat. That was the typical process. That's what you would do. Well, Gideon's not doing that because I don't want to be elevated. I don't want to be seen. So he's in a wine press. A wine press was, was not elevated. A wine press was actually a depression in the ground or, or it, was, it, was a, it was almost like a well and they were dug in and you'd go down and that's where they would actually press the grapes, right, in order to make wine. So Gideon is hiding, right? That's his focus, right? You gotta understand all the context or everything else we, we talk about here won't actually make sense. So that's the context. He's hiding and threshing the wheat in the wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Verse 12, let's read on. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Okay, that's kind of interesting. Let's just pause there, right? Is there anything about Gideon's behavior at this point <laughs> that would make an angel of the Lord look at him and say, you are a mighty warrior? No, he's hiding. We don't, we, I mean, we don't know that he has any weapons, but it appears like his focus is not battle. His focus is not I'm a warrior. His focus is I'm hiding for my life just trying to get me some wheat so I can feed my family. So, so have you ever had a moment like that in your life? Have you ever had a moment where you felt like God was calling you something or saying something to you that didn't really line up with how you saw your current circumstances in life? Right? This is Gideon's moment, right? What's the angel doing? He's trying to get him to, to find some focus here. Read on with me, verse number 13. This is Gideon now. And he says, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? I wonder if you've ever asked God that question. God, if you're really with me, then why has all this happened? You ever been there? Right? God, if, God, if you're really alive, God, if you're really real, God, if everything that I hear, you know, the preacher's preaching, if everything I see, all the stuff, everything I hear Pastor Candace talking about from, from you know, church on a Sunday, God, if you're really real, then, then why? Why this? Why that? Why now? Why then? Like, God, why? 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 Gideon's a real dude. He becomes a hero. But at this point in his life, he is just as real as you and I when dealing with the circumstances 
the difficult seasons of his life. God, if, if, why has all this happened? He goes on, he says, where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? If you're familiar with Bible history, then you know exactly what Gideon's talking about. If you're not, that's okay. But Gideon, when he says, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? He's referring to the historical narrative where the people of Israel for many generations, almost 400 plus years, were slaves in the nation of Israel to the, uh, not sorry, slaves in the nation of Egypt to the Egyptians. And God miraculously set them free. He sent Moses as a deliverer. There was the 10 plagues and the people of Israel were then free. This is what Gideon's referring to here. He says, he says did, did the Lord not bring us up out of Egypt? But now, back to the text, end of verse 13. But now the Lord has abandoned us. Right? So Gideon's saying, God, you did it back then, but you're gone now. You're not even anywhere around. The Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. This is bold language, friends. You are talking to an angel of the Lord. <laughs> you're talking to an angel of the Lord about the stuff with God that you're not happy about. I, I, I wonder if you've ever gotten so real with God in your life that you've been able to say, God, let, let's just have it out real quick. Let me just talk to you about the stuff that I'm not happy about. Right? I mean, Gideon models something here that you and I don't often do very well. You know, you know like we, we tend to think, that God is most pleased with us when we're doing something great or when we're living our life at our best level. God is most pleased with us when I'm attending church on a regular basis. God is most pleased with me when I'm trying to overcome like some of my difficulties. But all throughout the text, not just this text, but all throughout scripture, you and I encounter people like Gideon who it seems as if God is most attracted to them when they're in their most difficult moments in life. God is most attracted to them when they're broken, when they're hurting, when they're confused, when they've lost their way, when they have all the wrong focus. That's where Gideon's at right now. And, and, and it seems as if all of the narrative of Scripture would say that God is most attentive to you and I when we're finally ready to say, God, here's what's really going on in my life. Here's what I'm really wrestling with. Listen to me, friend. If, if, if you don't reveal it, God can't really heal it. Right? If you don't face it, then God really can't fix it. Right? And so Gideon, he's laying some stuff at the feet of the angel here, and he's saying, God's abandoned us. Verse 14, and then says this, the Lord turned to him. Now, now this is interesting because in, in verse 11, it was the angel of the Lord. But now, now in verse 14, it says, the Lord turned to him. So what, what scholars would tell you, what Bible scholars would tell you at this moment, is, is that this angel is just no ordinary angel. This isn't just like God, God said, hey, well, you go, you know, you, you little guy, you fly really well, you know, you just go, you know, okay, little Clarence the angel from that Christmas movie, you go, you know, you, you know, no, 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 you know, no, no, this is, when it says the Lord turned to him, now scholars would tell you, this is what we theologically would call a Christophany, right? A Christophany would be a pre-incarnate version of Christ himself coming in an angelic form or an angelic body. Well, you're saying, well, why, why is that even important? Why, why are you even mentioning that? Because I just want you to know that, that, that Jesus wasn't even supposed to be on the planet at this point in history. 
right? So that says something to you and I. That says something to you and I that if you need be, God will not only show up for you, God will show up early for you. If he, if, if he, if he, God, God will come to you in your deep, in your moment. God will be there for you. If God has to send a pre-incarnate version of Christ, then God will do that for Gideon. If God has to show up ahead of schedule on your behalf, then you can trust that God will do that for you. So the Lord now, Gideon's having a face-to-face conversation with a pre-incarnate version of Christ, and this is what he says, go in the strength you have. What strength would that be, by the way? We'll talk about that in a moment. (laughs) And save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Boy, this sounds, this is encouraging now, but then here's Gideon. Here's, Here's where Gideon's focus is at, verse 15. Pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. That word least there is his way of saying that either his family was the weakest, the most impoverished, the smallest family in size. This might also be the way of of Gideon saying that he's the baby of his family, and culturally speaking at this point in history, the youngest in the family didn't have any kind of respect or any kind of influence, right? I totally disagree with that narrative. By the way, I'm the baby of my family. I believe the Bible says the babies are the best members of the family, the best-looking members of the family, the most blessed members of the... Come on, all the babies, shout me down right now. I'm speaking words over your life. I'm just saying, okay... (laughs) It's not in there, but if you find it, let me know. Um, how can I save my family? My clan's the weakest. I'm the least. And then verse 16, the Lord answered, I will be with you. I love these words. I will be with you. Look, at, look just, just say that with me. I will be with you. That was bad. Say it again. I will be with you. This is God's promise to Gideon. It's his promise to you and I. I will be with you, and you will strike down the Midianites, All the Midianites, sorry, this is an important word, all the Midianites, leaving none alive. So what do you do when you've lost your focus? Or or what do you do do when you realize, I, I have focus, but I'm focused on all the wrong things? What do you do when life becomes so difficult, so challenging, overwhelming to you? Right? What, what, do you, what do you do when the darkness of life or the trouble of life or the circumstances of life become so overwhelming to you that you, like Gideon, just want to hide out in a wine press, right? And you just say, I just want to, I just want to get away from all of it, right? I just, I just want to, I just, you know, you know, it's, it's, I just want to be all by my, I mean, you go into hardcore introvert mode, right? And who my introverts, all my introverts, right? See, I can tell the introverts because I asked that question and they're like, over here. Oh, my extroverts, go ahead. Just, just have your moment. Now, there they are. See, they just jump. They just jump. You know, Introverts, we struggle. I'm an introvert by, by nature. I am. Like, we struggle. We read stuff in the Bible like, it is not good for man to be alone. And we're like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I don't agree with that. I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, but, 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 but what do you do when you have that tendency because of the difficulty of life to, to focus like Gideon's focus? He's just focused on surviving right now. That's it. I'm just trying to make it through the next day. Gideon's missing the greater narrative of what God wants to do in his life and through his life. He's, he's lost the ability to fight for focus. He's going to lose significant freedom. The people of Israel have already lost freedom. And God's looking at Gideon as the one to bring the people of Israel back into freedom. Freedom isn't free though, right? And so there's a fight that ensues. And it starts in this text with Gideon's 
focus. So let's get real practical now for the next couple of minutes. And we're going to go back through a couple of different verses. I'm going to give you a really easy way to take some notes and an easy way to kind of remember some of these things so that you can apply them to your life over the next several days and weeks. So, so what do you do when you've lost focus, when you feel like I'm in a dark place? I'm kind of in like a wine press moment in my life where I just feel all the pressure and I just feel everything coming at me and I just want to hide out. What do you do? Here's number one. Everyone say number one. Look up. Look up and recognize. Look up and recognize. I mean, let me just go back to the text here. Verse number 11, right? Here's what happens. The angel of the Lord, verse 11. The angel of the Lord comes, right? The angel of the Lord comes. The angel of the Lord comes. And then it says, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Right? See, when when you're in a difficult moment in your life, when you're in a difficult season in your life, it's easy to allow your focus to go towards what's hard, What's challenging, it's easy, it's far too easy for you and I to allow our focus to be on what I don't understand, the questions that haven't been answered yet, what I don't know in the future, what I can't figure out, the lack of clarity that I have in this situation. It's easy for the focus to be there. And the angel comes and the angel says first to him, the Lord is with you. See, this is God's way of saying to you, recognize where your help comes from. Recognize who's on your side. Recognize the authority that you have. We just sang that song early in the service, uh, You Are My Champion, right? right? And the whole song is about, like, I, I have authority because of who I am as a son of God or a daughter of God. So, so there are times, yes, when life is hard. There are times, yes, when things are difficult. There are times, yes, when you feel, man, I, I don't know where God's at. And this text And this story is a reminder to you and I that God is with you, friends. Look up and recognize. This is what the psalmist said in Psalm 121. He says, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. My help comes. I lift my eyes to the heavens. Where does my help come from? This is what the Apostle Paul is talking about in Romans 8.31 when he says this. He says, if God is for me, then who can be against me? It's, it's me, it's you, it's us recognizing things are tough, but I'm going to look up. Everyone say, look up. I'm going to look up and recognize I have help from on high. I have help coming from a source. I have help coming. I have the backing of a sovereign God, a God who's all-knowing, a God who's all-powerful, a God who's omnipresent. He's in all places at all times. I have the help from a God who's never left me, who's never going to fail me, who's always going to be with me. I have a God who's, who's there for me even when I don't always see it. He's moving on my behalf. I look up. Everyone say, look up. So real, real practically, how does this work, though, right? Because that, that's all inspirational. That's good. That preaches well. Real practically, how does this work? I, I, let me just tell you how, 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 how it looks in my life and in my wife's life, right? My, my wife and I call this looking up and recognizing it. My wife and I call this getting a word from the word, right? And I get a word from, I get a word from the word, right, that helps me remember and recognize where my help comes from. And once I get that word, that, that verse, that scripture, that moment, I, I, I play that on repeat over and over and over again. For my wife, my wife, she does it like this. She, she takes little post-it notes and she writes down scripture verses, like a word from the word, and then she just plasters them all over the bathroom mirror, right? I go in my bathroom in the morning and it's like a revival has broken out. And, you know, it's like, I just want to go in there and do my hair. That's all I want to do. Don't laugh. It's, don't, this takes work. Don't laugh. I'm just... 
I'm just, okay, it's fine. You can laugh. Okay. Um, no, I'm just saying, like, like, it is like a revival. I'm just, and this, see, this is what it looks like in your life. If you're not learning the discipline of being in God's word on a regular basis and committing his word to memory and putting it deep in your heart, getting a word from the word, then you will always lose focus. You will always find yourself overwhelmed by the challenges of life like Gideon and you, and you will then go into hiding like Gideon and then God has to do extreme things, send an angel to remind you, you've got a helper. You've got a God who's looking in on you and you just lost focus. You need to have the discipline to remind yourself of the word from the word. I've got a word from the word and I speak that over my life and I pray that over my life and I prophesy that over my life. And when, I, when, when my eyes see things in this world or when my eyes see situations in my life like Gideon's eyes were seeing, I remind myself, my, my, my battle is not just against flesh and blood. My battle is in a spiritual realm, and I've got the power and the authority of the Word of God on the inside of me. So then I begin to speak that word from the word over myself. I do not have a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If my God is for me, then who can be against me? This is what it's like. I'm just telling you. This is how I recognize God is with me. God is with me. So I look up. Everyone say, look up. Look up. Here's, here's, the second, here's the second tip, right? Just being real practical today, right? Learning some disciplines here. Learning some things that create freedom in our life. I look up, then... I look back. Everyone say, look back. I look back, and I remember. I look back, and I remember. Let me go back to the text here, because in verse 13, this is what Gideon says. In response to the angel saying, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, Gideon says, pardon me, but if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened? Again, I asked you earlier, have you ever asked God that question? I bet you have. And it's okay. It's all right. You, you, don't, you don't need to feel regret about that. You don't need to feel bad. You don't need to feel as if God was upset because you posed that question to him. I, I, I promise you this. God welcomes your question. God welcomes your, 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 your moments of anger. God wel welcomes your moments of grief. God welcomes your why, 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 why. Listen, friend, I, my wife and I, our family, we, we are living in a why has all this happened season in our life right now? Just one month ago, just one month ago, one of our beloved spiritual young adults, uh, spiritual kids really, she, she, was, she was an adopted member of our family just a month ago, uh, committed suicide. And, and you, you want to talk about a season of life that will make you ask the same question that Gideon's asking. We're, my wife, we're living in it right now. God, why, 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 why? Why? Why has all this? See, you, you, need, to, you need to be reminded, just, just, as a, just the way, same way I had to remind myself, God's not afraid of your questions. God's not, God, God's not so sensitive to, uh, uh, that you can't come to him and say, God, I don't understand. I don't understand why this happened. God, I don't understand this pain. I don't understand this grieving. God, I don't understand all of these situations and circumstances that I've gone through in my life. God, I don't understand why this happened or why I lost this job or why this didn't go through for me or, or why this person hurt me or why this relationship fell apart. God, I, I don't understand. This is where Gideon's at, right? And, and, and so Gideon's looking back and when Gideon looks back, what he remembers is all, of the, all, the, all the bad stuff. 
right? He remembers all the tough stuff. He remembers all the, all the times when it didn't work out the way that he thought it was going to work out. And this is what he talks about. Where are all the wonders our ancestors have told us about, right? And, 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 and didn't, didn't the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? Now the Lord has abandoned us. I'm in verse 13, if you're following along. He's given us over to the hand of ministry and the Midianites. Now, now listen to me, listen to me. Let me help you make sense of this real quick. Oftentimes in your life and my life, God speaks to us in the present. That's what he's doing with Gideon. He's speaking in the present. But you and I, in response to God speaking in the present, often talk about the past and our questions of the future. Right? Now, now stay with me for a second here, because this, this is going to help some of you. Right? Well, when you think of the past, which is what Gideon's doing, you can, if you want to, you can remember the hurt. You can remember the pain. We all have that. You could remember the disappointment. You could remember the unanswered questions. You can remember the anger. You can remember all of the emotions that went with the very difficult life circumstances that you and I have faced in our past. The circumstances that, that uh, in many cases, it wasn't even your fault. It was the decision that someone else made that created great pain or anger in your life. In some cases, it, it was. You and I did have like a part to play in, in what happened in our past. You can remember that if you want. Or you can remember something different. And Gideon's so close because, because he says, where are all the wonders our, our ancestors told us about? God brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us. So he talks about the past and then he immediately goes to the future, right? And he was so close. See, here's what I want you to remember. When you look back, everyone say look back. When you look back and you remember, I'm not, I'm not telling you to ignore and act like you've never been hurt and act like life has never been difficult in your past. But I would encourage you not to remember all the hurt and pain as much as you remember his faithfulness in your past. I would encourage you to remind yourself of every moment God has brought you through, friend. I'd encourage you to remind yourself of the difficult season, but then tell yourself once again the story of how God brought you through that difficult season. Tell yourself the story about how God provided for you when it seemed like there was no way for you. Tell yourself the story of what God did in your past, in the past generations of your family lineage. Tell your kids the story of how God was always faithful in your past and therefore he can be trusted to be faithful in your present and in your future as well if my God did it for me then again and again and again he'll do it for me now and again and again and again in the future he's always been he always will be he's the God who was and is and is to come he's in every moment of my life he's always been faithful why then should I doubt his faithfulness now see Gideon's so close but he's 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 stuck He's stuck in his present. He's misremembering the past. And now he's created great fear and anxiety for his future. So what, what do I got to do? What do you do when I'm there? I got oh, to look up and I got to recognize God's with me. The Lord is with me. I got to look back. I got to look back. And I got to recognize God. God, you've always been faithful. You've always been faithful. This, this is hard. I'm not, I, let, let's not act like this is, this is easy, what I'm talking about doing here. This is hard because some of us have been through some really difficult stuff. I mean, some of us, you know, we, we have stories of what we've been through that people could write books about. You know, I mean, some of you are like, but they could, they could do a blockbuster movie on my, you know, like, right? This, 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 so this is hard. None of this is easy. 
And, and what happens, and this is what I've seen, and you know, my wife and I have been in full-time ministry now for over 25 years, right, right from the time that we got married. And what I've seen in life over, over this time, what I've seen in a lot of young people that we've raised up as spiritual young men and women, and what I even could say I, I've seen in the young lady that we just lost recently, is that, is that you and I have no choice but to chronologically grow up in our age. We all wish we could pause that at certain numbers, right? Or certain moments. But it is a choice whether you emotionally grow up. You're going to get older. That's just the way life works. You can't really stop that process. But you can, you can emotionally allow yourself to get stuck in a certain moment or a certain season of your life. And that's what I've seen in a lot of people. Where, where I, this, this has hurt too much. The anger was too much. The grief was too overwhelming. And now I'm, just, I'm stuck in this cycle. And I just can't, I just can't, or I just won't, or I just don't, or I just don't want to, or, or, or and see, we, and say, it doesn't sound good to say it that way, so we'll say it, we'll say it ways like this. Well, if you knew what I've been through. Well, you know what? This is just the way I am. This is the way I've always, always been. Well, how's that working for you, friend? No, I'm, I'm, I, I, that's hard, but I'm just, I'm trying to be your friend here because I'm, I'm trying to help coach you a little bit and, and, and encourage you a little to consider some of the past. And see, some of us get stuck in a place where we're like, you know what, if God would just give me an explanation for what happened, if God would just give me some answers for why I had to go through what I went through or why it happened, if, if God would just give me an explanation, then then maybe I'd have some closure. And if I just had closure in that area in my past, then I wouldn't still be emotionally stuck there and I could move on in my present and I could move on with maybe more peace or with maybe more joy or all the different fruits of the spirit that, that, that I know of in the Bible. Maybe I could move on. I just need some closure. And the only way I'm gonna get closure is explanation. I, I've been there. I've been there. I've had that, that exact conversation with God multiple times. Or I've said, God, if you just could give us an explanation for this, then we could get some closure and then we could move on. Right? And there's been, there's been multiple times in my life where I've sensed God saying in response to me requesting that and saying, Aaron, even if I gave you an explanation, it still wouldn't be enough for you. So instead of giving you an explanation, I've given you my son. I've heard, I've heard, not in an audible voice, but I've heard the voice of Jesus saying, saying to me on many occasions as I've tried to navigate through past hurts and pains and, and anger, I've heard Jesus saying to me, uh, you don't need an explanation, you need closure. I am your closure. You having a relationship with me is the beginning and the end of the closure that you need in your life. See, this is, this is the greater narrative of the, of, the, of the gospel and the Bible here. It's God's way of saying to you and I, there's not always going to be answers for everything that you and I have experienced in life, much like what Gideon is going through right now. But Jesus comes along in the New Testament. You know, thank God we're not living in the Old Testament. God has to send an angel to Gideon. You and I live in the New Testament era. We live in an era where Jesus showed up on earth to show you and I what a perfect sinless life looks like and then to sacrifice his life on a cross so that his, his shed blood could give forgiveness of my sin and your sin so that ultimately a relationship with Jesus could be the ultimate closure to all of the past sin, all of the hurt, all of the pain that I've experienced and that which I probably will still experience in my life. Jesus says, I, I am your closure. 
I am here for you. I am the one. You're not going to have all the explanations that you want. You're not going to get all the questions answered that you would like to get answered. Even if God answered them for you, you, you still wouldn't be happy. Because you know, you know, here's what you really want. You don't really want an explanation. You want a negotiation. You, you, you want to say, but God, you should have done it like this, and then you should have did that, and then this should have happened to that person, and then, and then th- that's what you want. You want a negotiation. God, God's not in the business of negotiating. No, no, no. God's not even in the business of explaining, but he is in the business of closure, and that's why he sent Jesus. That's why he sent Jesus. And so Gideon's like, okay, I, I got I to, Gideon's trying to find focus here. How does Gideon do it? Well, first, I got I to gotta look up, and I have to recognize. Second, I got to look back, and I have to remember his faithfulness. And then here, here's the next one, right? Then I have to look in. I have to look in, and I have to replace. I have to look in. I have to replace. Back to the text, verse 14 and 15. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? No, no. So God has already called Gideon a mighty warrior, something which he is not at this point. He's at least not behaving that way. Correct? Is that fair? Right? Now God is saying to him, go in the strength that you already have. He's saying, Gideon, it's already in you. Gideon, you already possess it. Gideon, it's right there. Gideon, just unwrap the tissue paper and there's the diamond hiding for you. It's right there, friend, okay? Don't get so focused on on everything else. It's right here for you. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon says. How can I do it? My clan's the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my family. What does Gideon need to do? Gideon needs to look in and he needs to replace Every single lie that the enemy has told him about himself and he needs to replace it with what God has spoken over him in this moment. Because when Gideon says, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my family. If I was Gideon's leadership coach, I do a lot of leadership coaching. I coach a lot of youth pastors, right? I coach a lot of leaders in the church world. And if, and if one of the leaders that I coach were to say something like that to me, I'm the weakest, I'm the least. This is what this, I would say this to them. Who told you that? Where did you hear that at? Who, who said that to you? Who placed that label on you, friend? Where, where did you hear that? And then, and then when did you start repeating that over and over and over again? When, when did you side, decide to put that on the playlist of your thinking patterns and hit repeat perpetually? Who told you that? See, this is, this, this, this is the lie of the enemy in Gideon's life, right? Uh, listen, when, when I told you earlier in the text, remember how I told you, I was giving you context and I was telling you that the Midianites had a really unique strategy for how they would try to take over other countries, right? And most, most, most countries, when they would invade, they would just exterminate, right? That's, that's a harsh word. We're talking about human lives here, but this is, this is history. So I'm just walking you through historically what would happen. We're just going to wipe them out. The Midianites didn't do that. The Midianites didn't look to exterminate. They looked to create starvation, Thus, basically saying to the people of Israel, we're going to steal from you the work of your own hands. Now, now listen, listen. There's a spiritual parallel there for you and I in our day and age. Because the Bible tells us this in John chapter 10, verse 10. It says that the enemy comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, this is Jesus speaking, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Right? So this is God saying to you and I, My plan and my purpose for you is that you live an abundant life. 
abundant in joy, abundant in peace, abundant in purpose, abundant in fruitfulness, abundant in you looking at what's coming in your life and through your life, and you're able to say, I'm making a difference in this world in which I live during the time in which I live. The enemy's plan or strategy against you is much like the Midianites where he says, I've come to steal from you your purpose, steal from you your joy, steal from you your peace. I've come to kill, not you because the devil doesn't have authority to kill you and I, but I've come to kill your fruitfulness. I've come to take from you. I've come to take out of your hands that which you have produced like the Midianites were doing to the Israelites. See, this is, this is still the devil's strategy in our life. Listen, listen to me. You, you, you got to understand this. This is so important. The devil has no authority to take from you what God has given to you. He has no authority to take. God's given you life. The devil doesn't have authority to take it from you, right? God has given you gifts. That's what the, that's what the angel of the Lord is trying to help Gideon see in himself when he says, go in the strength you have. I'm sending you. You're a mighty warrior, if, if you want to get into the original language of Hebrew in which this is written, the phrase mighty warrior would be interpreted literally as you are a man rushing directly into the battle. <laughs> Gideon's not doing any of that. Why is God saying that? Because Gideon is hearing from the voice of the angel, God himself trying to say, Gideon, I put something in you that you haven't discovered yet. I wrapped something up in a piece of tissue paper that you haven't unwrapped yet. Gideon, there's a diamond deep down on the inside of you that you haven't, haven't been able to focus on yet. Gideon, there's a you in you that you haven't met yet. There's a you in you that's a better version of yourself. There's a you in you that's more confident, that's more happy, that's more joyful, that's more full of peace. You, you've not even met the best version of yourself yet. Gideon, I want you to know that your current behavior is is lying to you. Your current behavior is telling you this is the best it's ever going to get. Your current behavior is telling you you're never going to be more confident, you're never going to overcome the insecurities, and you're never going to be able to get out of the emotional hurt that you've gone through in your past. This is the devil's tactic. This is what the devil does. The Bible says the gifts of the Lord are irrevocable. That means when God has put something in you, nobody can take it from you. The devil doesn't have the authority to take it from you. So this is what he does. He lies to you about who you are. And he lies to you about what's inside of you. And he lies to you about what your purpose is. And he means to distract you and make you focus on all of the wrong circumstances in your life like Gideon was doing because the devil's tactic against you and I is he knows he doesn't have the authority to take the gifts from you so he means to lie to you to convince you that you don't even have them to begin with. Because if he can convince you that you don't actually have any purpose or diamonds inside of you, then you'll never use them. You'll never use, that's all he can do. All he can do is convince you to keep on telling the same old lie to yourself about yourself that you've been living your whole life. Listen to me, friend, I get it, I understand. Some people in your life have placed some labels on you. Some people in your life have put some words over you. Some people in your life have spoken lies to you. And I just want you to know your worth issues about who you are and what you can do in this world, your worth issues have been settled at the cross of Calvary. Jesus already reconciled that debt in your life. He already determined your great worth because of his great sacrifice. 
There's the you in you you haven't met yet. There's a better person in you. There's a gifting in you that you haven't discovered yet, regardless of the season of life that you're in. There's a diamond inside of you, friend, that the angel of the Lord means to extract and say, Gideon, it's in you. It's in you. It's in you. Stop believing the lies. Look in and replace and rebuke every lie. Listen, friend, you can read this Bible cover to cover, and there's nowhere where you will find God's people described with words like plain, normal, average, and par. Everything you see in the Bible in relation to what God has said about me or you is words like you are salt. You make a difference in this world. You're light. You light up the darkest places in this world. You're a chosen people. You're a peculiar people, a chosen generation. You're blessed and highly favored, friend. You're anointed on high from the on high. You're the head, not the tail. You're above, never below. Everything that God declares in his word about you, you got to start believing you got to start replacing every lie, rebuking every lie, and saying, no, 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 I just heard that lie. I just heard that lie. I just heard I'm going I'm to rebuke it, and I'm going to replace it with God's word. I'm going to replace it with what God says about me. Here's, here's, here's the last thing, right? Just recap real quick. I'm done. We're going to pray together in a moment. Look up. Recognize who's on your side. Look back. Remember his faithfulness. Look in. Replace. Replace. Rebuke and replace. Here's the last one right here, right? Look ahead. Look ahead and receive. Look ahead and receive power for your journey. Power for your life. What's the text say? Go back to the text one more time. Verse 16, the Lord turned to him. This is after every single excuse that Gideon had ever told himself about himself. This is about every single label that other people had placed on him. Listen, friends, can I just say something? Don't allow the labels that other people have placed on you to produce limitations in your life. No, 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 no. No, you say, no, no, my focus is on what God has said about me, not what someone else said about me. Not, not what my dad said or my stepdad said. Not what one of my grandparents said. Not, not what the boss said or what they didn't say. No, 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 it's about what God says about me. I look ahead and I receive his power for my life. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? See, Jesus here presents himself as the ultimate source for Gideon's life. Jesus here presents himself as the ultimate source for the people of Israel. The angel of the Lord comes to, to refocus Gideon and to remind him to say, Gideon, there's a you on the inside of you that you haven't even met yet, but the only way you're gonna get there is if you receive power from me. Now, now, now I just want you to think about the, the, the text here just, just for one more moment because here's Gideon speaking directly to a pre-incarnate version of Christ who is saying to him, I'll be with you. I'm here. And Gideon's talking about, I don't know, I don't think it can be done. I just, I'm the weakest in my family. I'm the least in my family. I don't have clout. I don't have influence. I, don't, I, I, got, I got no respect. You know, I, I'm just, I can't, I don't have any followers. There's no way that I could do it. I can't step up and lead an army. I, you call me a mighty warrior. You, call, you said I'm a man rushing into the head of battle. I'm not acting that way. I don't see any of that stuff. He's treating Jesus like a resource rather than the source. And, and see, Jesus always wants you and I to treat him first and foremost like the source of life that he is. So here's the question that we have to ask ourselves. Is Jesus the source of my life or is Jesus a source for life? No, he's, he's, is Jesus the guide to my best life or is, or is Jesus my best life? 
see, there's a difference. Is Jesus an app for my life or is Jesus the entire operating software? It's just totally different. And, and Gideon, mind you, Gideon is, is, is in a period of history that would be Old Testament history, therefore Old Testament theology. And in the Old Testament, if you wanted to have the presence of God, either an angel had to come to you or you had to go to the temple in order to receive it, right? You and I no longer, we no longer live in Old Testament theology. We live in New Testament theology. And now we have the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? Jesus initiated the conversation with his disciples in John chapter 14 and 15 and 16 and on towards the end of his time with the disciples, Jesus said to them, it's good for you that I leave because when I leave, the Holy Spirit will come. What Jesus was, was educating the disciples on was that he could only be in one place at one time because he had chosen, even though he was the son of God, he had chosen to be bound to a mortal human body for that moment in his life. But when he would leave, then the Holy Spirit would come. And when the Holy Spirit would come, the Holy Spirit could dwell in all people at all places at all times. That means, friend, that you and I, we have power to do exactly what God has called us to do. That we're not left alone, that we're, that we're not left to figure it out by ourselves. That, that, that in spite of, not regardless of, but in spite of the challenging circumstances that you might find yourself in right now in this moment, here in this room, watching online, the challenging moments you're having in life, you need to say, okay, what, what do I need to do? How do I regain my focus? How do I fight for freedom? What disciplines do I need in my life? I've got to look up and recognize help comes from on high and I've got to look back and remind, remind myself of his faithfulness and I've got to look in and I've got to rebuke and replace every lie that has been spoken over me or that I've spoken over myself with the word of God and then I've got to look ahead and I've got to receive power from on high to be the Gideon in my generation that he wants me to be. Would you do me a favor in this, this house right here, those of you that are here present, would you stand to your feet here for just a moment? We're gonna wrap it up. We're gonna have a moment of prayer here. If you're watching online, maybe you could just, if you, if you need to, you might not. But if, if you're watching online, if you need to just kind of find a way to really focus in right now, just, just do that. Those of you here in the house, would you, would you just take a moment, close your eyes, bow your heads. And I wanna give two invitations right here I want to first ask them if there's anyone here uh, who says, I, I need Jesus. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I, uh, I, I, you talked about Jesus dying on the cross for the forgiveness of my sin, and I've, I've never really started a relationship with him. I've never really had a conversation with him about uh, asking him to forgive me of my sins so that I could have relationship with, with God. So for many of you, that's the first step. That's the starting point. It's the place of saying, I just, I just want right now to recognize that I, I need Jesus and I want to begin a relationship with him. We're gonna, we're gonna make this so simple. I'm gonna count the three. And if you're like, that's me, I, I want that. And you're here in the, in the house. I just want you to raise a hand up on the count of three. And when you do that, one of the ushers are prepared and they're gonna come to you and they're probably just gonna tap you on the shoulder and they're just gonna give you a little card that says, I'm in. That's, that's your way, that's our way of saying, I'm in, I'm starting a relationship with Jesus. And we would love for you after the service is over to just fill that out because the church wants to come alongside of you. Pastor Candace and the rest of the team here want to come alongside of you and help you walk through that brand new relationship that you've started. So if you're here, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, that's me, Pastor Aaron. I, I want to start a relationship with Jesus today. Today's going to be the day. I've tried everything else. I've tried to do it on my own. I've, I've tried everything that the world had to offer me. But uh, today... 
I'm gonna surrender it all to Jesus. You say, that's me on the count of three. Would you just lift your hand? Ushers, would you make yourself ready to pass out these little cards here in a moment on the count of three? One, two, three. Just lift it up right now. You say, that's me. Just hold it up real high until one of the ushers comes. All right, hold it up real high. You just say, just slip it up. You just say, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. We'll just wait another moment. It's okay if you need a time to think about it, but you just say, that's me, that's me, that's me. Hold it up, hold it up. All right, ushers are finding anyone who has their hands up, and then if, that's okay, okay. Now, heads bowed, eyes closed. Let me give a second invitation here. All the way in the back, there's a hand up all the way in the back. Can we have an usher call? Yeah, someone's going right there. Anyone else? Just wait, just wait here another minute. Any, anyone else just say, man, I, just, I need to receive Jesus today. I need to receive Jesus today. All right, awesome. Keep your heads bowed. Keep your eyes closed. You're here today and you say, I need to know that God is here for me. <laughs> I need his strength. I need his power. I'm going through a difficult season in life right now. And I need to know that the Holy Spirit is with me, strengthening me and guiding me for the difficult moment in my life. I feel like Gideon after you told the story, Pastor Aaron, I kind of feel like that, dude. I feel like the pressure of the world is on me and I want to just go hide somewhere and hope that it passes over. But I realize I got to step up and I got to run right into the battle today of what I'm facing. And I need the Holy Spirit to help me. If that's you on the count of three, would you just lift your hand up? You say, that's me. One, two, three, that's me. Come on, just lift it up. Just lift it up. Yeah, see, there's a bunch of us that got hands up right now. Ushers, prayer team, those of you that lead in that way and serve, would you just move to where people have their hands up right now? Just make it, we're gonna come to you. So, so pastors on staff, if you could look around, leaders, uh, deacons, board members, elders, uh, prayer team members, if that's you, you say that I, I function in this way, just just go ahead, just just walk through the room right now and just, just go and stand beside someone that has a hand up and put a hand on their shoulder, take a moment and pray with them. And while they're doing that, let me just invite all of you, if, if you feel comfortable, would you just all together lift your hands to heaven with me right now, just as a sign of surrender. And let me pray, let me pray. And I'm praying over all of you and I'm praying specifically for those of you that said, I, I just need to know that God's with me. I'm in a battle right now. So God, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that the spirit of God would be so strong and so evident and so real in the hearts, in the lives and in the minds of every one of us, Lord. But God, I especially pray for those that lifted their hand and said, I just, I just need to know that God's with me. I'm going through a battle. I'm going through a difficult moment. I'm going through a difficult season right now. And so God, I just speak and declare the blessing of your presence over their life. God, I just say in, in, in the authority that we have in Jesus' name that God, you're gonna make ways where there are no ways, that you're gonna open doors that no man could open, that you're gonna close doors divinely in order to redirect, in order to protect, Lord. And that God, you're, you're gonna move, that, that miracles are gonna to happen on behalf of those that have faith to say, God, you're going to move on our behalf. And so, God, I just declare in your name right now, God, for every broken heart, Lord, for every broken heart, for every person who's struggling with, with being in, in just a difficult emotional state because of what they've been through, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that healing power, that understanding of your scripture, that the declaration of your word over their life would bring healing, would bring hope. God, I pray, for, um, I pray for people that are struggling with bitterness and are struggling with unforgiveness, Lord, and that is prohibiting them from receiving emotional healing from what has happened in their life. I'm speaking prophetically now to some people in the room. I don't know who you are, but there's some of you that are bound in hurt. You're bound in hopelessness. You're bound in anger. And part of the reason you're bound is because of unforgiveness. And so I just declare in the name of Jesus that God would give you the grace to forgive that God would give you the understanding that forgiveness 
is given not as a gift to the person who hurt you, but it's really given as a gift to yourself. You're setting yourself free right now from the bitterness. You're being set free right now from the hurt. You're being set free from the anger and pain that has held you bondage for some of you for decades. And so God, I just declare in the name of Jesus that a spirit of forgiveness and grace would come through the hearts of those that have been wrestling with anger and hurt and bitterness because of what has happened to them because of the decisions and actions of other people in their life. God, release them. Release them. Really, if that's you right now and you just say, I'm releasing this bitterness, I just want you to palms up. Just hold, just put your hands, palms up right now. Just palm, just hold it, almost like you're releasing it. You're not holding on to it. It used to be a fist. I, I just almost see in the spirit realm, some of you, you you were holding on to that hurt and that angle, anger like a fist, and, and now you're opening up your hand. You're opening up your fingers, and you're just palms up and say, God, I'm releasing it to you. I'm giving it to you right now. I can't help but think that Gideon was wrestling with some unforgiveness himself because of the hurt and pain that had been brought onto him and his family because of the, the Midianites and what they did. So God, we just, we release that now in every heart, every heartache, every, every, every moment of brokenness, we release that now in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And now I speak blessing over you, Freedom Valley Church, here in the house, online, I speak blessing in favor over you. I speak blessing in favor of our Pastor Candace and Aaron as they take a sabbatical. I pray, God, you'll give them deep rest. Come on, would you lift your voice right now with me? Would you pray for your pastors? I pray you give them deep rest. I pray you give them deep peace. We declare deep peace over their life now in this season. We declare deep rest and deep peace over their family, Lord. God, we thank you, Lord, for pastors that lead the way through difficult and turbulent times like we've been through as a world the last several years. And so, God, we pray that a refreshing would come, that a refreshing of your spirit. God, I declare that this sabbatical for them be like a Psalm 1 prophetic word being declared over their life, that their, that their spirits would be like trees planted by living water that would bear fruit in due season, Lord, as they have continued and will continue to walk uprightly before you, God. May God, you direct, may you open doors, may you, may you give a refreshing and a newness in their life and in their ministry, I play. And now, God, for Freedom Valley Church, I declare blessing and favor over this house during the, the remainder of these summer months. God, I pray that these people would be a people that would have the spirit of Gideon about them. They'd be, they'd be an, an army of Gideons going into the Gettysburg area and beyond. They'd be an army of mighty warriors running headfirst into the battle. God, would you raise up young men and young women, teenagers and young adults from this place to run headfirst into the battle, to be those that would recognize that their help comes from the name of the Lord and that God, in spite of past hurts or past questions, God, we're moving forward. We're stepping out of dark places. We're stepping, stepping out of wine presses. We're stepping out of a place of fear. We're stepping out, Lord, of a place of no focus. And God, we're remembering your faithfulness. We're rebuking every lie. And we're receiving your power from on high. God, let it be so. I pray in your name. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.